Welcome to Elite Six Think Tank, an open discussion group with business owners who share their knowledge, experience and skills. Good morning everyone, welcome to the Think Tank meeting. Today it's an oxymoron, because it's Friday and Monday we're on one. Yep. But we just had Waitangi day off on a Thursday. What a stupid day to put Waitangi on. It was Saturday as well, so it was an oxymoron. Was it? Yeah. Why well, Tingo said that? It felt like a Saturday yesterday. Oh, I said that. Yeah, no, I get it. So it's quite cool. So we did a smashing topic today. We're doing things a bit different. It's a bit normal. We have no, um, oh. no spring mind map. Mind map. See, uh, just thought we'd because uh, we do the podcast, we probably don't need the visual aid as we go. But that does mean that I have to keep some form of structure to the meeting. So Literally. if you get out of control, I will go back to the halls. Uh, and the topic today, can anyone remember what the topic is? Stereotypes, something and something else. Yes, very good. Prejudice was there, wasn't it? Yeah, prejudice, stereotypes and something yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it was all, uh, it came up from last week's meeting, there was one word at the very start of it. Um, yeah, so stereotypes, what's the first word? It started with five characters. Yeah. I started with F, didn't Yeah. I think this is one of the downsides of labels. not having the labels. mind map. No, there's a different loss of labels. 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 Stereotypes. And prejudice. And that came up last week from a lady who was at a seminar or some sort of do, and they asked who they were. And she said, I'm from Quinovic. And Quinovic is a property management company. So he just said, oh, property manager. And uh, and then later on, he found out that she was the big franchise owner. And he changed his tune for some forgotten reason. Whatever reason that was, that's why we come up with the topic today. So why do people pre- prejudge us? Or why do we prejudge people? Is probably the really good uh, And what are the potential consequences of doing that? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Um, so I did use a few analogies this week. Like when I wear a suit, I get a different response from people. So sometimes if I'm we're talking to a group of people, I would wear a, a tie and a suit, and often um, I, I, I get more confidence from doing that. So that's one reason why we might. But then when I wear a suit, they prejudge me. And then when you drive up in a Bambina instead of a, a Tesla, you know. So first part of the meeting was people's experiences of being prejudged or maybe prejudging themselves. First ball goes out to our property manager from Grenoble. <laughs> Who's Sarah remain nameless? <laughs> yeah. Speak up, Sharon. <laughs> no, I think as a society we get ourselves in trouble by stereotyping or quote unquote racist or whatever that label is. However, we can only judge people by the experiences that we grow up with, so it's not always a negative to have stereotyped that person. It is simply, it is a judgement, but it's a judgement on that person based on my experiences and what I have come across. So it could just be a statement of fact rather than a derogatory summary of that person. I, I am going to bore but I'm going to speak because it's my show. I was in my mate's shop the other day and a guy wandered in and asked him, can we, can you stop? 
People cannot see what's happening on the podcast. It's not allowed to touch people inappropriately. Then they should come along on a Friday morning at 9.30 to the Beely of Beely Spakes Ale House and join us. And Thank then you. they can see and understand. So a guy, my mate owns a, a shop and this guy comes in and he asks silly questions about a product that he doesn't really sell and the whole shop's all set up for watches and that. And then the guy, so when he left I said, look, I'll take note of the time that you recorded this because I stereotyped the guy as somebody who would come back and rip him off later on. So is that a wrong attitude? Anyway, we'll go back to ball number two. Um, stereotypes, I spent a lot of time in Europe and France and I'm not quite sure whether requesting somebody's job is an Anglo-Saxon thing. In Europe, when you meet people, you, it's quite rude to ask them what they do. You will have a political conversation, you will ask people about <clears throat> anything that's going on or what's their opinion, but they don't tend to to interfere with stereotypes. I guess you read everybody from what they're wearing and everything else, but you have conversations without knowing what that person does. Yet, when I was in that environment and I would go, what would you do? There'd be silence. Because it was like you were trying to put them into a box mm. to understand where their opinion's coming from. And it, and it actually severed a lot of the conversations. Mm. Um, yet, I find in our environment, you generally want to know what someone does before you get into a conversation. And you were probably so stereotyped as being very rude in all the rest of it for asking the question. Yeah. So let's, let's test it. Um, Nick, you're an accountant. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, when I got here before, when I introduced myself to Nick, I hesitated to say, what do you do? <laughs> for that reason, after listening to the podcast on the way here from last week, I was contradicting where my thinking was, and that's what I would usually do. Hi, Nick, what do you do? Yeah. And it was interesting that I was questioning that in my mind. Yeah, we should explore that in a minute after uh, going back to how we could introduce ourselves. See you later, Paul. Uh, hello, Paul. Yeah, um, as what Stephen said as well, you know, we judge a lot of people by face value because that's all we've got to go on. You know, to start with, then jobs and things like that, asking people what they do and we're trying to categorise them put them in a box. But um, my niece came up with a really good um, analogy and she, uh, when I was up at Christmas going to see them, she came up with this thing that whatever you say, she would say um, the thing was not relevant. So for example, you would say, if you were trying to pick someone... Use the like, driving one, go on. The which one? The driving one. Oh yeah, so if you said... <laughs> She's an Asian driver, you know, immediately she's in a box because it's a woman and she's Asian so she can't drive, you know. Now it's the old guys in the flat cap. Yeah, but it, it's labelling people straight away like that. So my niece does this thing where if you um, describe someone, oh that Maori man, not relevant, he's a man. Um, that fat lady, not relevant, she's a lady. You know, so that sort of thing, we're always putting labels on people to describe them. But really, it's not relevant. Even though I don't have a ball, and some of you would have heard this before, when my daughter first started school, she had her best friend, Anna. And I kept going, well, who's Anna? She'd go, oh, you know, she's my height. Or who's Anna? Oh, she's got this, and she's got black hair, and blah, blah, blah. Two weeks later, I met Anna. She's Japanese. So I said to her, could you not have just told me she was the Japanese kid? 
And to me, that wasn't being racist. No, it was just it was a, a yeah. fact. Exactly. And yet, yeah. in an adult conversation, if like yeah. I had said to yeah. a Japanese one, that yeah. probably would have been taken as racist. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. We describe people with labels, you know, even if they are that, you know, nationality. But another example would be my son is in a class with um, all special needs children. So most of them are Down syndrome. Some of them have some of their hair missing. Some of them are quite, you know, different looking. But when I talk to him about the kids, he doesn't see any differences at all. And you can't say, oh, that boy with Down syndrome, because he would go, oh, they're all the same, you know. So it's interesting how kids don't label others like your daughter, you know. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, just welcome Andy along. Uh, the topic today is actually labels, stereotypes, and prejudice. How people. Um, Basically, summarise who we are, and they say who you are. Hey, Max. Yes. Um, just carrying on from the <laughs> stereotype, prejudice, and label theme, I guess is I think we are all prone to and capable of being all of those things. But I think, in terms of our interaction, I'm trying to bring it back to our operations within a business um, setting. Is that we use our lifetime of experiences in dealing with people uh, and that we've acquired this knowledge and we, we now use filters when we're having conversations with people and I'm thinking potential clients and so on. And I don't think that's necessarily bad. It could be classified as being um, you're placing a stereotype in, uh, with people. But I, I actually want to engage with people who, who can engage and converse and things. It doesn't impress me one iota whether they're worth two or three million or more dollars. It's, a, it's more about how they relate to me and I can relate to, to them. So that's what I'm drawing in on in terms of my stuff. So. I've got one. I've got one. I was just going to tell a story actually. My, my mother tells the story. Is it a story? No. Okay. Uh, when my parents first arrived in Christchurch in the early 1960s, my dad worked at the post office. And of course, they were trying to buy a house, so they go to see the estate agent. And he said to my parents, no, sorry, to my mother, what does your husband do? To which she replied, <laughs> oh, he's an engineer in the post office. Right, government, these suburbs are available to you, Rickerton and whatever the others are. We bought a house in Rickerton, but right from the word go, because she worked for government, she was sort of seen as reasonable choices. That was quite yeah. a long time ago. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Somebody else. Alright, so um, I'm going to give probably more honesty than I expected to give this morning. So, on the subject of prejudices and how people are treated for how they look or who they are or so I'm a trans guy. The first half of my career I was actually female and I worked in IT and yada yada yada. Transitioned on the job and then did the second half of my IT career as male. I joke about it and I think it's funny but the, actually it's really true and it's really depressing. The best thing I could have done for my career was transition. Because now, when I'm in a meeting, people listen to me. People will take me seriously. People will take my ideas seriously, even if they're shit. Um, they'll still take my ideas far more seriously now than they took when I was female. That is really interesting. Yeah. How much would you that? put down to an age rather than a sex? 
I, you could give it a three year time span and it was still the same thing. As okay. soon as, because I, it only took about six months for me to be read as mail. So as soon as I then started to go out to clients being read as mail, they took me far more seriously than okay. the female IT technician. But have they known you as female before? No. no, so no. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, yeah. And, but the ones who knew me as female beforehand, even then you could see subtle differences in the way that they spoke yeah. to me. They expected me to know more about fixing cars too. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think people just don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah, but it's it's about yeah, but it's not about that. It's about people who don't know my history, who then treat me very differently when they yeah. think that, well, when they know that when they're yeah. talking to a guy, yeah. than when they knew they were talking to a female. But so that, they treat yeah, me very that's differently. That's given you a unique perspective yeah. that any of us Definitely. others can't even grasp because yeah. we can make judgments about the other gender and how yeah. they would react in that space yeah. but unless you've actually been there yeah. you can't say and it's yeah. interesting because in our company now there's two of us we're 50 50 partners in the company i will go out and talk to people and they'll treat me very differently to shelly who will go out and talk to people shelly's the one with the experience and the brains and the money but they'll treat they'll take me far more seriously than they will shelly and it's People just can't quite grasp that Shelley's actually the brains behind this organisation. I'm just the dude with the time for the networking. So it's it's interesting to watch because I now I sit down back and I see a lot more of this stuff come through because of my history that people otherwise don't see. So people, whether they mean to or not, they judge and they treat people very differently, not just on gender, but on everything they see. And I think a lot of it's an unconscious bias but it's very much there. And I think a lot of people don't even know they're doing it. No, yeah. not at all. Yeah. But I think the a better place now, like in the last 10 years, who gives a shit really, isn't it? Well, to a certain I, I mean, you know, now, but you know, 10 years, or maybe 15 years before that, it was like, ooh, 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 ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I remember conversations with my father 20 years ago, and boy, if it was a male with an ear piercing, jeepers. Mm. There is a difference now, you will hold people accountable if someone makes an, if someone makes a comment towards even to someone else across the room and that's yeah. discriminatory you feel like you have the right or you have been empowered by our culture now to hold them accountable yeah, yeah. yeah. that's a young girl they're not relevant so yeah. 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 If, you yeah. Yeah. Comment, yeah. if you made a comment through there about someone being gay derogatory and I know there's someone else in the room, I might, even if there's no one else in the room, I'm now empowered to say, excuse me, I don't think that's yeah. Um, yeah. appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think the number of bigots are still out there, mm. but I think that you're right, Stephen, that, that empowerment by others around in the circle. So if there's another person that's had a similar feeling, or, or could have voiced the same opinion, if you voiced your opinion in this direction, that person gets a second guess on the their psychological position or cultural mm. position or personal position with regards to that and they get to challenge themselves internally I think which is positive. So we talked about experiences for the first part of the meeting so that's a really good experience really appreciate you sharing that. Uh, anyone else had something similar or um, something like a game changer in their life like when I was at school you know respectful people is that labelling because he's the headmaster or he's a school teacher. Oh, headmaster, he's running Well, I was, but, but, but my experience actually was a, an ageist thing. 
you know, because I'm I've more senior in the years and some people <laughs> the podcast listeners he looks like yeah. he's eighty. <laughs> yeah. Um but when I first started off as an insurance broker three years ago, I sort of trailed around with my sponsor who's probably fifteen years in my journey. And um, but on my first client he accompanied me to that person and I'd only had contact over the phone with this uh, client. We rock up and um, this woman and her husband perceived me as being this the guy and the junior fellow was walking beside me, yet it was yeah. the other way around. So that was an ages yeah. type thing of where yeah. they placed it. It was quite yeah. intriguing and never happened. Yeah. Uh, on that, sorry, does anyone else Yeah, got a young Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Oh, sorry, were you next? No, yeah. Oh, sorry, Rob, go for it. I'm going to get Rob get some steam off because otherwise it'll take five minutes. Um, yeah, my brain's actually getting quite overloaded here, and I'm not going to do a while. But uh, coming back to the SLP, <coughs> sorry, SLP for the stereotypes, labels, and prejudice. Yeah, yeah. Or PLS. Yeah. Don't say that you got PSD. As I was saying, for us, I really That we do prejudge as a prejudice because quite often times, you know, like we go into a situation and we've already perceived how this is likely to go or what the other person is likely to to respond. Are you talking about the time you got arrested? No, I'm talking about any time. Um, <clears throat> with, with the stereotypes, the stereotypes um, these days, that word just itself has got a negative connotation because if you go into any academic institution, stereotype means a, a prejudging by the powerful majority against the weaker minority. That's essentially where it came from. So you said, you know, I stereotyped um, anything, then that is almost a prejudge of you, ironically. And yet we shouldn't be doing that as well if we were going to objectively apply that. But the interesting thing that I realized with labels <coughs> when I was working with people who stutter uh, and, and looking at myself is that a label is static so a label never implies change so if you say you know um, I've always done such and such or I am such and such or you are such and such it implies you are today you were yesterday and you will be for all of your tomorrows so I used to pull people up because of my own journey and that is any time that I, I gave myself a negative label, I knew that I lived into it. And there was no win to come from that. So if anybody on any of my courses uh, to this day, whether it be public speaking, because I hear it a lot, I'm no good at public speaking. I can't do what you do. But there is no room for movement in those two statements. So if, if I don't challenge those two statements, nothing on these courses is going to work and so I think just um, applying it back to business is that we have to be very careful of our self-talk. Uh, the culture of that 
is that we develop in our businesses another thing called experience, which is totally related to stereotyping mm -hmm. events that we find ourselves in. So I remember James, the picture framer, used to introduce himself as a small, having a small picture framing business. So now we change the word small. It's now reminded to maybe niche or a picture framing business, and now you don't limit your your opportunities. Just following up from that, um, and running in parallel, was understanding the concept of a person's nature. Um, so that's using your experience to judge somebody, but judge them with regards to their nature. Are they an introvert? Are they an extrovert? What is their character for how I will relate to them in business? And also understanding my own team and what are their characters so I can relate to them on how to pass information because they may receive it differently. Each of us have different natures here. If I do something graphically, you may understand it, but if I present it verbally, you may not understand it as well. So understanding people's nature, when I run my business as an architectural practice, how I deliver myself to that person or myself to their partner may be different because I'm actually needing to understand. And that's it's like prejudice, it's like um, putting someone in a in a square where you think they're this type of person, but understanding their nature is fundamental for how I communicate with people. So that's, that's really cool, because what I'm hearing is we now use labels and stereotypes and simply so we know how to communicate with each other. And maybe there is a, once upon a time, a need to kind of label somebody because we needed to find the best way to communicate with them. There's a concept called dots. I don't know if anyone's red dots, yellow dots. Mate, I've got six dots on the side of my car. Yeah. I'm right so there's, there's, a, there's a concept there of when you work with teams and people and otherwise, then you understand the people in your team and what's their nature and then work out how you deliver or work with those people. I had Melbourne's done on my staff and it was fascinating. Yeah. Just, yeah. just because that's happened doesn't mean that that person's nasty or mean or horrible or whatever, that is, yeah. I deliver in 30 seconds yeah. what somebody else would deliver in two minutes and it and pisses the other people person off no matter what it is. And then what did you call that, sorry? You did what? B-E-L-B-I-N-S. So the same with the dog assessment, yeah. it's, it's like if your personality and I work with you in a team or you're one of my clients, you may want touch. But then there may be another person that, that will rebel to touch and they need a verbal recognition that I really appreciated what you did. And, and everybody is boosted in different ways. So Don't touch. If you can understand <laughs> the personality, then you can get more creativity and more anybody. response back from the clients and or uh, team. Yeah. Um, Where are we at? Yeah, me. I mean. <laughs> Uh, as Mark said, ageism is a real big one, and it's not until you actually get older that you discover it. Because when you're younger, you don't, yeah, you don't think it's around. But I remember going for a job a while back, um, and I didn't get the job, and I found out who got the job, and it was some 27-year-old attractive girl that. Um, uh, it was a new New Zealand job and she ended up getting this job and then I found out through someone who worked there because I knew the woman that worked there 
that this girl ended up getting pregnant and um, didn't like flying. And part of the job <laughs> was the flying. And that's why I was like, me, me, pick me. And they didn't want to look at me because I was older, um, more experienced, but possibly overqualified. But, you know, they put this girl that was young, attractive, and ended up getting pregnant, couldn't stay in the job, and didn't like flying. So it was like... Yeah, it was like, what? I don't, I don't get it. The other thing about labels is um, my boy is on the autistic spectrum, and I never say to people that as such. I know I've just said it now, but I don't, I don't, no, I don't label him. Because as soon as you say he's autistic, he's Asperger's, he's ADHD, whatever, He's in a box, always oh, like that. Oh, right, you know. I remember watching the news once, and they were talking about a um, boy in um, Christchurch that had gone and taken stolen light bulbs. Yes. You might have seen oh, that. Yeah. And immediately, they put him in this box. He's Asperger's, so that's why he did it. Well, maybe that is why he did it, but you don't have to put him in this box because now everybody goes, Asperger's, weird, you know. They are, They always look at kids like that as really weird. They're not weird. They just they just think different to us, and that's the thing. And that's why I don't like saying. I never used to use the word special needs, and I still hate saying that word because I don't think that he. You know, I don't think they are special needs. They actually have amazing abilities in other areas that we don't have. So to call them special needs, you know, I don't know what to call them, but. Specialities probably is not the word because you've labelled them, you've put them in a box. Yeah. Uh, just one of the key, um, key indicators. Um, Nigel and then well, Nick, Charles. I think you're ready. Oh, okay. Charles, I'll move. I wonder if you can turn it around, actually. Sure, Nick. Look at this from a different point of view. This is perhaps a little bit sidetracked, but a friend of mine said to me the other day, on a daily basis, what do you think they're worth? And I said, oh, $1,000 a day, 120 bucks an hour, thereabouts. He said, oh, that's interesting. When I asked my dad that same question, he said, with $40. And I think, to me, that highlighted one of the problems we have when you shift from being an employee, become a self-employed, all of a sudden you face this whole new range of what am I actually worth? And that in itself becomes sort of a lever we use against ourselves. We stereotype ourselves as, well, I'm an employee, I've only ever been an employee, therefore, because this is what I get paid, this is the picking order that I'm used to being in, so to speak. So by stepping outside into this new pricing regime, it's as if we're now putting ourselves on the level of these people over here, and somehow we can't do that. You can include your expenses and that You do, exactly. Well, by the time you work 20 well, hours a day, you end up with a dollar fifty. Hours. What's your potential? <laughs> what's your potential uh, is, and what would you like to be worth is another question. But I think it's just that shift. I'm now on the level with these people. Do I see myself in the same way? Because that's what they're And more often than not, we don't. Because we have this inbuilt. Because you're worth it, your financial. And that's one of the tracks. But anyway. Yeah, uh, no, I do have something very valid to talk about. <laughs> no, I just want to bring it back to the business side of things. Sometimes we only have a very, very short period of time in order to make a decision, whatever that is. And the only, sometimes a lot of what we can base that decision on has to be stereotypes or memories of our past. And so, well, yeah, exactly. And, and so, 
again, we keep talking about it as if it's a negative, but sometimes it's just the way it is, and sometimes, yeah, you go with your gut and you get it right and you get it wrong. Mm. It's pleasantly surprising when you do get it wrong, though, and when you think, oh, I sussed them out and I found out they were, or, you know, it's always a bit of fun. Yeah. I, I love the words, never assume. Because mm. if you take a letter out of assume, that you never assume, but sometimes that's all you've got to go on in that split second that you've got to make a decision. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, key indicators or describing yourself is what I sort of think. How do you describe yourself? I, I don't like the question, what do you do? The reason I, I, I asked somebody the other day what school they went to, I think it was you actually. Yes. Yeah. And somebody said, Chicken oh, you don't it because it was um, a status. And I go, no, no, I just want to know what your Italian would have But maybe I should have said, what we were, it was Papua New, wasn't it? No, uh, Burnside and Waimara. Waimara, that's yes, right. Yes, that's yeah, right. We went to Waimara, so yep. there was a nice common interest there. Oh, that's quite cool. But yeah, so not always asking the question for the status symbol, but maybe asking the question for a different reason, so we may assume. But where were you brought up, Rob? Nine. Next. I'm oh, sorry, Nine Nine. Now we, now we sort of think you're a small town person? Nine Nine. Nine Nine. There's a stereotype yeah. story yeah. I can tell you. Right up there, right up there right 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 if you want people to get to know you because we're in the relationship business and we want people to understand your passion or what we like doing or what I'm trying to accomplish or maybe I'm depressed and I'm not feeling too good and I need to talk to somebody, uh, you know, like if somebody learns out that they're not having a good day, do you, how do you handle that? Like, do you listen to that? What do you stereotype them as? Are they suicidal or are they just feeling sad? Do they want, you know, all these questions come into mind to me. So, um, yeah, welfare. What are you guys talking about? I don't have a ball, I'm not allowed to talk, Danny. <laughs> um, if, you ta if you take a label right, and you flip it around right, and you make it into a positive which you haven't reached yet, comes an affirmation and then you got slapped yourself. Um, <laughs> so that was one thing that I used to encourage, well I still encourage people to do. All right. Create a label for yourself which you haven't attained yet, but you want to work into. You know, other people were the same, right? They would call that an affirmation, right? But if you keep on going around, you say, you know, I'm a professional speaker, right? and you may not be yet, eventually you get used to that label, and it's a positive one that you like and you chose for yourself. That's so, yeah. no professional speaker, I'm a specialist. I quite like saying that. I'm an interior paint technique. I was just going to say about you know the tag um, um, millennials in terms of you know there was that sort of stereotype that they weren't very um, didn't really fit in with um, um, work culture and it was quite a you know and it's a challenge for um, um, businesses and things to actually get them on board in turn, you know, and it's a, it's almost sort of a threatening thing to the older generation, these new people coming through and they've got a different way of 
um, approaching life mm. and working. My lawyer told me he loves the millennials because they go to work, they do their job, and they're out the door at five o'clock because they want to go surfing in order to do that. But they've done twice as job. much work during that. They've done twice as much, yeah. yeah. Um, that's the funny I mean, you do see two people, like two real estate agents, meet, and I introduce them, they love it. They clash. That's not um, labelling, but they're more than just real estate agents, surely. All right, so we've had experiences. Um, what's the other one we used to do? Experiences, problems, problems. I, th I think that example that you're talking about with real estate agents used to be exactly the same because you're talking horse trainers, drivers, owners, anything like that. It's a competitive industry. All right, if I help you out, you probably aren't going to help me out. You take an opportunity, I've lost that. Yeah, our industry's changed in the last 10, 15 years. It used to be the big players, the Sir Miles Warrens, the Peter Bevans, nobody talked to each other, nobody shared anything. But in this market now, post earthquakes, if there's a building that I worked on and other architectural companies now working on it, they will ring me up and say, have you got any drawings on that? And I'll give them the drawings. Yeah. And I won't be saying, look, I'm going to sell them to you, which would have happened in the past. It's now just given. So there is a change in the industry with. And the that's whole reciprocated back? Yes, yeah. yes, it yeah. generally is. Yeah. Mm. So there's a change even with the World Wide Web that you're sharing information now rather than. Good, good. Yes. You know, if I design something and, and I can put it out onto the market and someone else can use that again creatively, that's a bonus because I can't design for everybody. So if I've got something worth using for someone else, and that's the concept of copyright and things, it's. A little genius, but mindful. Yeah. Very good. Sorry, no. I guess following on from Nigel, that the threads changed slightly, but that's really around um, in terms of how you see yourself, um, and so that's what sort of like picked up from Nigel. Because three years ago, I had a completely life-changing career event from you know being a school principal of many years. To being an insurance broker. You couldn't get it more different. And all of the stereotypes and prejudices that are around being an insurance broker is right up there or right down there with car salespeople and, and so on. And you're in this 100% commission based thing. And I know my friends and, and ex colleagues were saying, why? Why are you doing that? But I've always been, and this may be because I rose to the position of principal, I've always been self-driven, determined, and can-do attitude, which I took across into to this in industry. And I just set my initial goal that, you know, within two years I would replicate my principal salary. And I've done that. And I think that's brilliant. Yet I talk to other advisors who've been in the game either a short time or a long time, and they never have. Maybe because their own expectations and their own past experiences were at a different level. So. I guess the point I'm trying to make is you need to back yourself always and believe in yourself. Don't pigeonhole yourself because referring to what Danny said before about what school you go to, Christchurch particularly, and I speak as a North Islander, Christchurch particularly is so conservative, it's driven around schools and things like this and where you've been, what suburb you live in. Well, when people ask me what high school I went to, I would say boys high. And they would be happy with that. 
Well, I don't ever disclose what it is. It's fun out, eh, boys? Right? Which is one of the roughest secondary schools you can get in Northland. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's always hard to question politics. Yeah. yeah. You go to one of those two. So we're talking about talking about St Andrews. It leads to a, you know, yeah. to a bit of police. So I, I love the law school that you go to because I went to Marion and Fremont from Christchurch that probably means me explaining to people that I went to Marion is quite entertaining. I used to hang out. <laughs> I tended to walk in one gate and out the other because I didn't really want to be there. But yeah, explaining how I went to Marion is always an entertaining game. Um, it, it's also a really good asshole made it because when you start to explain stuff like that, people will either really engage and then it's someone I actually want to do business with or they'll disengage and they'll freak out. And it's like, well, actually, I don't want to do business with you anyway. So I sometimes labels and stereotypes and stuff actually work really well for finding the people you want to do business with. That's the filter. Yeah, yeah it's a really good filter. But going back to that, are you worth $40 a day? Are you worth $120 a day? Labels and all of that, and it's that saying, if you label yourself with a negative label, you are imposing your own limits. Yes. And you're imposing limits that you don't have to have. And that then comes back to where this all originally came from was do you describe yourself as a business owner or do you describe yourself as what you do and whether that works for the audience you're talking to, sometimes describing yourself by your actual title as opposed to business owner is a self-limiting thing that you don't feel like you are justified in describing yourself as a business owner and that then limits your opportunities when you're talking to people who need that title for their ego because that's what in that yeah. instance, that's what was required there. He needed to talk to the business owner because that was his ego and that was his bottom line. How do we work this though? I mean, how do we explain to people who we are and what we do? Like, without oversounding, like you're trying to note, top note yourself, whatever the word is. Well, and, that, and that's just it. I grew up, in my high school years, we were in Upper Hutt. And we lived in a street called Chatsworth Road. And, well, I grew up, I, I did my primary school in oh, Avalon. Yeah. And yeah, well, that would have been creepy because I'm guessing they're a couple of years older than me. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was the guy in the trench coat in the yeah. bus stop. In the but, the white yeah. Van. The candy van. <laughs> so, yeah, so I lived in a street called Chatsworth Road, which wasn't, wasn't actually a very salubrious street, although it had been historically. And but it sounded a lot posher than what the posh streets in Upper Hutt were called. And so both my sister and I used to tell people that we lived off Gloucester Street because we didn't want to label ourselves as living on Chatsworth Road. So that right back then I had issues with putting the title on myself. I don't, yeah, I own a business. I live in a nice house, but I'm a property manager and... I, I really like what you said before about uh, finding people you want to work with. I mean, I think six, uh, you know, it's taken years to get a, a really good group of people together. And uh, every now and again you get a kind of intruder and, and it just doesn't work. But it's you just like, if someone wants to do work with me because I live in Chatsworth Road or live in Pendleton or whatever and don't want to work with me because I live in Burnside, well... That's how old though, isn't it? I mean, does it, people still do that? And get no. Uh, absolutely. Well, they do. do. They do. That, that would, we, that we would are, be the guy that I met with last week. Now we're in crisis. Wouldn't have done 
I reckon every single person today is doing it inside and out of this room. Mm -hmm. Because you think about it, right? When you write down, you know, like an email, um, a website, uh, you know, marketing material, we are rattling through our heads, working on every stereotype that we think exists out there that we want to be seen positively by it. So we won't necessarily, like for example, a years ago right, I used to work at Mali, the title was Plastic Extrusion Techniques, or Operated a Bloody Partnership, you know. <laughs> but that's what they called it. You know, and when you go through it, you know, and I, I was just thinking, you know, like you run into another Nine Eye College old boy, all right, you will instantaneously go, hey, bro, what's happening? You know? <laughs> and it's just, it's just how, how we used to talk back then, you know, like, and yet, consider this the people that are going around and they are the, uh, the, the crusaders for political correctness will hear me on that podcast do that accent and label and judge and stereotype me for doing it. Yet they will criticise me for having um, or, or using any of those myself and yet they do it as well. So I think that is the thing. We live in a world of stereotypes labels and prejudice it exists and there's even been studies on on children and yes they don't necessarily see um, down syndrome or asperger's or race or anything like that but they do see some other traits or attribute traits to certain characteristics and, and that's stereotyping without any learned component in it so it does happen if we find ourselves doing it, acknowledge that we could be uh, limiting other people, and I think that's the thing. Are we limiting anybody else? Are we putting anybody else down to lift ourselves up? Because that's where But again, you're putting a negative connotation on it, whereas it might not be a negative, it might just be statements of fact. Uh, Nick? Yeah, Chris, you want to go with that? Yeah, you see what I did? Do you know? Yeah. I was just going to say, with the, um, you know, Christchurch being conservative is um, my mum who's 68 she went away to I think it was Twizel last year to a um, um, B&B and the lady that was running it asked her um, what her um, dad did for a living Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> if we want to stereotype I've always heard rumours about large bowls and pigs and Twizel and that's what I think of every time but it's that sort of, you know, even at 68, you still get judged on what your, what your parents did by some people. Well, I never have a horror. Well, you see, I would have looked at that as um, that your mum looks really young because he was asking yeah. what her dad did. I didn't look at it as a stereotype thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah I looked at it the other way. Your dad used to fix TV and pick up yeah. on um, yeah, so, that, that, that number two. So, go back to that. I don't think you should label that one for the label two. That might be number two. <laughs> 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 no, 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 no. Don't bother. Uh, so, going back to that, knowing that everyone stereotypes, because that's actually a human trait, and 
listening to you and knowing that when you're doing property management, you really do have two or three minutes to, to make a gut call on someone. And having done loss protection and security and stuff, <laughs> and stuff same thing. And that every time I hear you speak, it's like, that's exactly what I would do doing loss protection and stuff as well. You've got 30 seconds and you stereotype and unfortunately nine times out of 10 you won't. <laughs> but knowing that every human stereotypes and we're not going to fix that, that's a learned human behavior. How then do we use that to our advantage in business? How do we use those stereotypes to have people then look favorably on us? And it's that same turning up in a suit versus not turning up in a suit. I work predominantly with small businesses. If I turned up in a suit with a really expensive car, they're going to take one look and go, you're a dickhead. Yeah. I, don't, I want nothing to do with you. So, yeah, so I turn up in jeans, generally a shirt if I'm having a good day, um, and a mid-range car so that I'm in their level. So what do you drive at home? What? What do you drive at home? I deliberately, I've kept all of my kit mid-range. <laughs> Good old Soviet yeah. right? but, but that's an interesting one though, because I, I, I was going for a midlife price and I bought this big car and, yeah. and I just walked in and released the thing, it's a lot of money, yeah. and then I remember my clients going, oh, it's good to see you back on your feet, Danny, and the other one said, oh, I'm paying you too much. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, I can't win. That, that's the thing though, it's, it's that impression that people get. Mm. It's still a stereotype, whatever way you want to play it, but then how do we use that positively within our business and our interactions? Our websites, our marketing, all of it. Mm. It's it's all first impressions, and first impressions will build stereotypes. But this conversation just start from ways to pitch your business. Yeah. You know, ways to present yourself. So, so um, get the most out of that. Andy hasn't said much. Now, if people ask you what you do, because I don't even know really what you do, how would you, like the people, I've been out on a date once before I went, and this lady just interrogated me with questions that were really personal. And we don't know you very well, but we kind of want to know you. So it's kind of like, well, how do we ask you those questions? And how do we kind of get a conversation going about actually saying, tell us who you are, what you do? I despise that question because I don't have a good answer for it. But this has actually been a big problem for me uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, so I've had a very varied entrepreneurial career, lots of different industries, and usually self-employed. And so I, I can't just say I'm an accountant or I, you know, I'm a lawyer or that's not an option for me. Um, and I found with recruiters it was impossible because they're looking to label you like within a millisecond. They're just looking for the keyword and they put you in that box and say, oh yeah, we'll, we'll work over there. So I had to think really carefully about what all how I answer that question, what, what do I label myself with? And I actually I just landed on the truth. I tell people now I'm an entrepreneur. And about two thirds of the people that I meet get scared by that and burn up so and that's the conversation. So that, that works a great builder for me. And the other third get really interested and they want to know more, so we're talking more. And um, I really just don't care what someone is, I care who they are. And so I'm always searching for who actually is this person and trying to weed it out and put down a conversation. Um, so the, the label thing for me, I just, it annoys me, it gets in the way of finding out who someone really is. And it annoys me that people use that to try and put me in my box. And then the next personal question is, how do you support yourself? Because that's what they, people think. Or have, I remember I watched um, Dragon's Den, 
and they had inventors, and he's come up with this really good idea, and they go, oh, this is a crap idea, uh, but I'm an inventor, similar to an entrepreneur in a way, and then and they go, oh, this won't fly, and then they go, have you invented anything else? He says, yeah, I invented this and that, and how much did that sell for? I remember this guy that night said 16 million, and that one there sold for 37 billion. And then they went back to his idea and said, tell us more about this idea you've got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of what it's like in a way. It's kind of like you're an inventor, you're a thinker. You've yeah. had, had good ideas that have worked. So I, I have to yeah. quickly follow up the answer to that question with what I previously did, mm. uh, how successful it was. Mm. Uh, because otherwise if people are quickly waiting to categorise you, are you just some fun? Yeah. <laughs> you know what you're doing. And, tell people about a previous success and suddenly they give you credibility and they want to listen. Would you model my life? Good question. Yep. Is that Australian? Marmite's. What's the difference? One's Australian, one's One tastes nice and one doesn't. One's English. Oh, crap. It is Now, if you put him in a box, because he said Marmite? Yep. So does anyone know how I know Andy? How I met Andy? No. Uh, I, we, I walked, uh, oh, actually, this is a funny story, I haven't told you this one, but I walked about four and a half hours into the Crow Hut, uh, the bottom of Avalanche Peak on the other side of, um, uh, where is it? Oh, uh, thank you, I was lost. Anyway, and then uh, he, he probably walked in about three hours. <laughs> I took Helen in there, and we left at four o'clock from Condite Corner, and my main torch, battery was flat when it got dark, so then I'm gave him my other torch on again and I used my cell phone to navigate in there. We got to the crow hat at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, and I got lost a few times because I had all the flash gear that wasn't seemed to be reading right. Yeah, <laughs> you can imagine what Helen's oh, first experience of the crow hat was like? Yes, it's just been the crow hat. But we did have a good feed that night, didn't we? We did. We starting. Yeah. I got to the point where we thought we'd better stop and eat now before she fainted, but mm. did really well. But you can get in there with a cell phone torch. Yeah, so what I know about you is that you like the outdoors and you're a thinker and you need places to quiet to think. Because that's what it's like being an entrepreneurial thinker. You're always thinking, you never rest. Mm. All right, anyone else got any questions? Rob? Uh, I just got one uh, exercise and, and, and if we could all do it, you'll understand it. So if everybody held their hand up here. Just like Harley Christmas. Right, no, no, you've got to hold your hand up. Right. Okay, right. <laughs> and I want you to consider that your thumb and your four fingers are things that you do. So ha how this was explained to me is that, you know, like the guy said, uh, you know, I am a husband, I'm a dad, I am a power lifter, a presenter, you know, etc, etc. Okay, right. So if you think that each one of the fingers are things that you do, and in the context of this conversation, it could be that you're an entrepreneur, um, body da da da. If you take each one of them away, he, he said, what are you now? He said, you're the same, because this is your identity. You are not what you do. Right. And that allows you to change anything that you do and still remain who, who and what you are. Right, yet a lot of us uh, get our identity yeah, by what we do no, and no, not who record. we are. Uh, Rob is a fist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. That's really good though, that's quite good, I like it. Alright, so how are we doing? Uh, we need a topic for next week. So we're pitching our business.
uh, last week, and then this week we were not labelling ourselves. I think what I learned from today is just to go for a couple of takeaways. Like right? for myself personally, if you label somebody, you're just limiting everything. You put them in a box, and they're ready to go on the shelf, and it's it's kind of and, personal. In some and ways. yet, from what I'm hearing is that there are we all do it to some degree, and some of it's around business efficiency by pre-filtering, so you're not downstream wasting too much time. So, just to be stupid, I want to put a label on myself, but ask somebody else to label me. So have a go, and then you can pick somebody else and label them. Because I'm going to go back to, I've got, I've got a label, I like to categorise stuff. When I'm developing websites or marketing, I always get a product, and I have to put it in a category. So my category, yeah, I like to be a thinker. <laughs> You know, entrepreneur, like, that's my favourite. I think it's cool, it's what I like. But if you were going to label me, what would you call me? How have I got time? Is the paper big enough? Okay, what about, um, let's pick on Sharon, we know what she does. But, you know, I mean, it's hard, isn't it? I, th I think you're sociable because I, I was just hearing that story. Yeah, and I'm thinking if I turned up in a hut in the middle of bloody nowhere and someone else there, I'd be really pissed off and probably <laughs> keep on walking <laughs> no, and kill myself. But yeah, and he was there at seven. I was there at eight, and then yeah. about 9:30, five people got up who wanted to climb Mount Rolleston, and they were going to get up at 4:30 in the morning as well. And so we, we thought, oh, we thought it's just us two. And then uh, another group of people turned up at nine. And we thought, well, you got there just on dust. I got there when it was just dark. And these other people turned up at pitch dark. And we thought, well, I thought it was pretty much the hero get this up the dark. And we story. But then these other people trumped us. It's not as uncommon as you think. We've done that too. And these hunters arrived at like 11.30 at night. Yeah. And, and we'd struggled to get in at dusk and in the dark. Yeah. And then these hunters arrived at 11.30 and we're just like, yeah. 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 Well, um, what yeah. I do like about that is when you introduce yourself as an entrepreneur, it's open. Mm. Now, mm. I can then just go on about the weather and you go, well, no, I'm interested in me. And I'm just interested when I present myself that I'm interested to compose something that tempts a reply. And if the reply's not taken on board, yeah. then. Cool. You know, so if you say you're an entrepreneur, I'm really keen to know yeah. what. And if I present myself as an architectural designer of some kind, then I'm wanting to put something into it that entices people to go, oh, that's interesting, and want to follow up. Yeah, if they don't even want to go there, then I'm But if you, if, if I said to you, what are you doing? You said I'm an architect. My reaction is probably going to be well, that's something I know nothing about, so let's talk about the weather. So yeah. it's not necessarily a lack of interest. But then it's, it's a lack of an ability from my point yes, of view. But then it's a matter of me understanding who I'm presenting to yeah. and then trying to have, for want of a better word, my pitch, mm. being asking or opening questions up from yeah. the Because if he said to me, yeah. I'm an entrepreneur, then I'd go, oh, yeah, what, are you, what have you worked on recently or what are you working on at the moment? Or yeah. There's an easy I can cope with that. Because uh, that's, the, that's the key in building those relationships. You know, you've got two ears, one mouth. Do twice as much listening. And really, if you know nothing about what it is, 
It's how you can open, uh, ask good open questions to elicit information. So you're gathering that information from people. Yes, yeah, so, 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 so someone did this yesterday at a meeting. I thought it was brilliant. Um, I asked you what you are, you say I'm an architect. Instead, if I ask you what you are and you say architecture, so what do you do? Architecture. Now I can say, what sort of architecture? What are you into? But if you'd say, I'm an architect, I'd probably say, well, see, interestingly, thinking on it, I could just as easily say to you, oh, yeah, what projects are you working on at the moment? But that wasn't my mission. So I'm interested in the concept of listening and hearing. And when you provide to a person that asks the question, did they hear it or did they listen? It's like mirroring somebody, you know. Can you tell me back what I just told you or what you understand? You know, it's like, oh, I wasn't listening. So can you deliver so someone can actually reply, so then that indicates that they're listening, not just well, yeah. that, That's actually a really good point, because I can shut people off quite quickly by saying, I'm a housemaker, and they ask me what I do, because then I'm labelled, and I don't have a conversation, it's me, it doesn't want the conversation, but I'm not explaining it. Uh, just Rob? Um, I was just going to say that I was on a course, and there was a guy who had this exercise that we had to pair up, and we had to go for a walk five minutes out and five minutes back, and the first person asks a question of the second person, the second person uh, responds, and we have to listen for five minutes to those responses and formulate a question based on the response. And the thing that I learnt from that, that you can apply not just meeting anybody or networking or anything, is that for that five minutes, we were in the mode of, we are never going to give anything of us, because this is all about the other person and having that total focus on getting to know the other person, not exchange. And uh, I've met a lot of people in a, a new social situation and there are some people who just master that. They keep asking me questions. And I'm like, wow, oh, that's pretty cool. I quite yeah, like that this person. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, that, yeah. and that is showing an interest in other people. And I, I, I kind of, sometimes I do that Intentionally, up to I do it naturally, but sometimes I think I'll get a conversation going out of you. You know. Why do you make the assumption and stereotype people that if you tell them you're a painter, they're not going to be interested in listening to you? Well, it's because, <laughs> so because they they want a they want a conclusion to their question, and I've just given them an easy out. And I think if you're really interested, you'll ask what you just did, and they go, oh, well, and why? Do, you know, like if I said I was a house painter, and somebody said, oh, how long have you been painting for? About ten years. How did you get into that profession? And they go, oh, actually, my brother and my stepfather, and they was a painter and a decorator, right? And they actually got an apprenticeship for a family friend. You know, now they're like, oh, that's quite cool. And, and it was some of the jobs that you've done. Well, the post office in the square was one of the jobs I did. I didn't do that. And if you look at the top of the post office in the square, see that big grain on? I painted that bat. <laughs> that's one of my parents' moments. Yeah, they the kind of arms now telling me to shut up. I'm never asking this guy again. <laughs> Next week's topic, is it uh, something about entrepreneurship? Is it how... Um, Ways to answer, ways to draw out people. Is it uh, opening opening questions? Uh, I don't I don't know about next week's topic, right? Uh, but I, I think it'd be interesting if you know, like we had a look at ourselves for the next week and just paused and reflected on how many stereotypes, positively or negatively, we are using. That's not a good topic. Billions. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Well, we had time to do it well, we, 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 <laughs> If I was a pilot and I'm coming into Christchurch Airport, I'd be stereotyping there's the tower, <laughs> there's the runway, there's the lights, and I'm this high. You'd have to read those signs. So isn't that sort of labelling, stereotyping, also helping us, you know, break yeah. out? You see, I've never more life. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, uh, uh, stereotyping, labelling, sometimes it's a personal thing. I mean, I, you know, yeah. You know, using Andy as an example, when we turned up the hut, we had a, I knew straight away we had a common interest. We liked walking for hours and having quiet, <laughs> not disturbed as pigs. Yeah, so don't talk to him because it looks quiet. Probably busy want a conversation, so I've got a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a surprise. <laughs> yeah, so um, next week's topic. No one's, oh, um, it, could, it could be um, uh, affirmations or, or using or identifying ourselves talk. What things are we thinking or saying about <laughs> ourselves, either in our own oh, heads or okay. in conversations, you know, like, or out there, you know, like everybody in the room? What about self-esteem? Is that sort of self-limitations? Yeah, not limiting. Not limiting? Yeah. Uh, this limiting beliefs? Well, they're that? not necessarily limiting. You know, like if I go and uh, create a website today, or if I edit my website, well, I'm going to reread my website to see how I think other people will read it and what they will get, um, <laughs> what impressions they're going to get from reading this. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. So today we have basically three key words. Yeah. And I'm thinking, and that list, a list of a lot of stuff. I think it would be a bit limiting if we just chose almost like yeah. one because we don't know where it will t the conversation will take us so yeah. we need two or three things and I don't off. think we're there yet. Mm -hmm. right. So I'm going to come up with you guys after we finish this recording we're on the podcast and it's gone for one hour and one minute and five seconds, six seconds. We'll finish this podcast and we'll cover an exciting topic to tune in next week. Have a great week. I'm Danny Digger.